Hey, Cameron. Oh, halo. <laughs> nice one. Should we turn that into our intro? Uh, yeah, that works. We're talking about Halo, so uh, I can't think of anything better. Let's roll with it. You got it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Region Unlocked. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. Halo, everyone. Halo indeed. And today we are recording on April 17th and 18th, 2022. Jake, how's it going? It's going great over here in Japan, as usual. The weather's been pretty chilly lately, which is weird because prior to that it was really, really warm. And I'm talking only about a few days ago. So we've been having some crazy weather patterns here. So I don't know. I've got a hoodie on right now. Just shows you how quick it can change. Yeah. What about you, Cameron? Pretty similar weather here, but that's that's how weather conversations go. Yeah. So uh, let's let's stop talking about the weather and let's start talking about some meaty stuff. All right. Uh, before we start, Jake, you you look a little tired. I'm gonna ask you some random icebreakers to get you more motivated. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Here we go. If you were a wrestler, some sort of fighter, what would be your entrance song? The lights go dim, the crowd goes wild, you hear the song start to to fade in. I know exactly which song I'd be using. It would be the dance theme from Napoleon Dynamite. Mm. Dude, the crowd would go wild for that song. Heck yeah, and when you walk in, you know, like, through the crowd to the ring, you could be doing the dance, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be so cool. Yeah. And that would be so original, too, like, uh, away from the common trope of the epic pump-up song with cool guitars and stuff like no this is just a fun song yeah that is good i've i've got a list of like rock songs that i think would be pretty good but i think in honor of this episode i think just the halo theme would be pretty sick to walk into an arena with that plan that would get quite a reaction from a lot of audience members oh yeah i'm actually surprised i haven't seen anyone do that in all of the ufc i watch huh you know what? I'm sure that someone out there has used that. And I'm sure the crowd has gone wild at some point. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. I do feel like the ice has been broken. You warmed up. Don't you think so? No, I'm asking you. Do you think you're warmed up? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm plenty fine over here. All right. So uh, how have you been doing lately? You were just telling me you've had a little shift in your job and uh, locations and whatnot. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I've been doing pretty good. Uh, I've just been really busy, as is the usual now. So I'm out of Tokyo once again teaching. They have uh, placed me in a school that's south of Tokyo in Kanagawa, which is... Uh, the location that I'm going to right now is about three hours south from where I am right now, a train ride, and that's just one way. Yeah. So on a good day, I should say. So it's it's interesting because when you get to the location that I'm at now, you you stop seeing Tokyo, uh, like the flat in the flatness in the buildings in the city. You start seeing like the giant mountains and hills that Japan's known for. Oh, cool. So a total shift in geography, if you will, topography, and. Uh, that's what I've been doing this past week. I've been going down there, but because it's such a long ride, 
they've kind of been putting me up in a hotel for the past several weeks to stay like, you know, in the general area and I don't have to write as much, but it's been tough lugging everything back and forth. And <laughs> I've been lugging my PS5 with me. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's been really heavy. But this past week I did a experiment to see whether or not I needed it. So I left my PS5 at home and I, I started missing it two days in. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to have to bring it with me next time, but I'll probably be spending the next month or so down there at least. Mm-hmm. And this time they might be getting a, like a small condo for me that I can stay in. Uh, that might be the best, most comfortable option so that I won't have to feel sleep deprived. Yeah. Some of the hotels have been nice. Some of them have been a little sketchy. Yeah, and it's it's but, never going to be the same as having your own place. Of course. The warmth of here, or the not warmth. This apartment is great, but it's not insulated. So, depending on how it feels <laughs> <laughs> outside, it, you feel it in here. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard to get all your favorite stuff down there. And it's hard to cook, too, when you're not at your place. Right, especially in a hotel. Yeah, especially in a hotel. It's terrible. You have to live off of, like, fast food and stuff, and... That catches up with you really fast. Mm-hmm. They do give us a small stipend, though, which is nice to help combat that, which I need to make better use of. <laughs> so that's that's my situation right now, Cameron. Cool. Traveling once again. Yeah, and they have you do that a lot. But yes, are you enjoying it? I, I'm enjoying it for the most part. It wears on you in some ways. I'm sure, but. Right now, I'm doing my best to just appreciate and enjoy this rather unique experience. So at least I have, you know, this to uh, to stick with right now because they're they're opening the borders. What? For foreign workers. Oh, workers. Yeah, for foreign workers. Screw that. And well, there have been rumors about uh, the tourism visas being offered again within the year, uh, but it'll be a few months from now. So that means anyone. I was just going to say that I don't think that lines up with my summer break if it's just within the year. If only, yeah. Good grief. I also think, I have to do some more research on this, but the government is looking at letting family members come and visit, like right now, because oh. it's been so long. Yeah. Uh, so like I could have my direct family come and visit me because I'm a foreign national who's been living here for a while. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly uh, how how they cut that off. Yeah, but just there is that. Go ask. Hey, can my third cousin, who we've never actually had any type of family relationship with, come over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's my third cousin. You know, <laughs> that's that's closer than fourth, so it's it's fine. <laughs> exactly. We don't know how we're related. <laughs> we've just been told that we are. Yes, multiple times. I've got no gaming stuff to talk about. I've been doing nothing. Just sitting around, uh, staring at the wall. Mostly editing podcasts. That's uh, all i got time for these days. But uh, have you played anything other than Horizon Forbidden West that's worth talking about? Well, I guess you could count YouTube as gaming, right? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) No. Nope. The only other games uh, I've been playing are The Game of Life. Mm, And that's just living. That's just a very realistic game that we're all playing, right? I prefer Monopoly. But Monopoly, uh, when you're not losing. (laughs) I prefer neither. Neither. Uh, Then let's go ahead and get into it, Jake. 
the the what? What was I about to say? The meat and bones. The meat, <laughs> the meat and potatoes. <laughs> well, it's meat and potatoes. Isn't that the saying? Yeah, it is. Okay, not meat and bones. Well, wow. <laughs> I, okay. I was trying to connect it to Halo in some way. The <laughs> Halo of it all. Anyway, uh, and that is Halo 4. All right, everyone. Halo 4. This game has got an interesting reputation where it's kind of hated and loved where mm-hmm. it's got some of the most interesting story, but then some people hated how the story was told or how it mm-hmm. was written. Uh, personally, replaying this in preparation for this episode, I was blown away. We did not actually intend to do an episode for this game, but I played it again after not playing it since it came out, and I, I thought the story just hit so well. And maybe that's because the way I felt about Halo Infinite has kind of brought up different feelings about how I feel about Halo 4. But anyway, I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, bad segue aside, here we go. <laughs> Halo 4 came out November 6th, 2012, which was five years after Halo 3. And is currently sitting at an 87 on Metacritic. So Jake, this was your first time playing this game. And it was your mm-hmm. first time playing Halo 3, so you're just being, like, thrown into Halo for the first time in your life. Yeah. Uh, give me your, your impressions of this game before we start going into the little details. Just good, bad, in between? So Halo 4, I played this game for the first time just a few weeks ago, and I played through it reasonably fast. I did take a few breaks, but it was good. I, I, th- I thought it was a really good quality game without much... Uh, to I guess compare it to sure. within the time period that it came out, but just playing it like by itself, not being in 2012, it was still really good. Like it holds up very well for a title that came out in this era, and that was the first thing I noticed was like these graphics are actually really good for a 360 <laughs> game. <laughs> They're insane. <laughs> yeah, they are. It doesn't feel like a 360 game. It feels like a step higher almost. It really does. It, it feels like it came out on the Xbox One. Yeah, it's it's so true. And having this new laptop that you helped me, uh, I guess, get with everything turned up to the max, I actually have some brand new, very, very large computer monitors that I just got. Oh, and nice. I finished it on those monitors or on one of them. I don't yeah. have the second one uh, hooked up yet. But it, it was so great seeing everything so beautiful. And I, I just really enjoy the visual elements of the game. First off, that was the first mm-hmm. thing that I noticed about the game. That's kind of what kept me playing it, I guess. I guess it kind of kept it relevant and kept me fully engrossed in it. I felt that the game was a little different than the previous ones, than the ones made by Bungie. Yeah. I still can't put my finger on why they felt different, though, to be honest. Yeah, I've got some ideas. Yeah, we can talk a little bit about that, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But I, I really enjoyed how different it was in that it didn't uh, just involve the covenants as mm-hmm. your primary foes. That was really interesting. I also really liked the relationship between Cortana and Master Chief in this. That was that was really deep. Mm-hmm. And um, again, we'll probably talk more about that here in a second. But the one thing that I would say was a little hard for me to follow was maybe the story and some of the details of the story. It, it got to the point where it was a little bit convoluted. Mm-hmm. Like they were throwing around a lot of names 
and a lot of technical terms and a lot of lore details that was hard for me to follow at points. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's Halo. That happens in all the Halo games. <laughs> yeah. But I think, yeah, this one especially. Yeah. So if, if you love the lore, that's great. And there's a lot of details that you can go back and revisit, I'm sure. But that, that was a little harder for me to follow. All right. Well, let me talk about a few things that you brought up. So first off, this is not Bungie. This is 343. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was interesting. So I know we talked about this in Reach. Bungie, they wanted to do new things. They wanted to branch out. But Microsoft effectively owned Halo. So if Bungie was to leave... Halo was going to stay with Microsoft and then Microsoft created their own branch of developers to take over the, the big old chief boots. And okay. um, that actually started in 2007. So shortly after Halo 3 came out, Bungie made this decision. Mm. And I believe though they had already committed to make Reach. But in 2007, 343 Studios, named after 343 Guilty Spark, was created, and so they started working on Halo 4 right then and there, at the same time that Bungie was still making Reach. So Reach came out in 2010, but they started 4 back in 2007, which I thought was pretty wow. interesting. So they had, you know, five years to make this game, and I looked it up, I was like, why are these graphics so good compared to <laughs> launch games on the 360, even compared to Halo 3? Like, this mm -hmm. looks fantastic. And really, they didn't have too much to say about it other than we had lots of time and they figured out how to squeeze every bit of juice out of the 360 that it had left. And I will uh, say it with the caveat that they do cover a lot of stuff with lens flare in this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of lens flare, which has not been present before. And I think that helps, you know, give everything a nice shine and cover up what might not look as nice below it. Yep. But still... <laughs> It looks really good. And it prompted this question. I'm curious what answers you have. What other examples have we seen throughout gaming where kind of like end of the gen games look so much better than the start of the generation? Did anything come to mind for you? Yeah. The first thing that came to mind, which I'm sure we might have talked about a long, long, long time ago, was a clear distinction between, say, Super Mario 64 and mm -hmm. other launch titles for the N64, like Wave Race and stuff, which had a very polygonal look to them, all the way to, like, Conker's Bad Fur Day, Banjo-Tooie. Donkey Kong 64. Donkey Kong 64, that looked considerably better mm -hmm. than those original games. And that was kind of an era when the graphics were showing a really strong shift from what they started as. Yeah. Even, so even games like... Ocarina of Time versus Majora's Mask, which they mm -hmm. reuse all the same assets, but yeah. there's little color and, and detail differences that are mm -hmm. in Majora's Mask. Like even just seeing the belts, like the sword strap going across Link's chest. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it just, it all looks a little better. And the N64 is an interesting example because, you know, it, in the middle of its life, it had the expansion pack put out. Yes. Uh -huh. And so all those games that look so much better are post expansion pack so it's uh yeah it's very interesting that n64 had that yeah yeah for real because i i kind of struggled to come up with more examples to this question 
And so really all I did was I Googled uh, Xbox 360 games released in 2013, which is the year that the Xbox One came out. Okay. And yeah, a lot of these end-of-the-gen games looked incredible, like Bioshock Infinite, Dishonored, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, the Tomb Raider reboot. All of these games mm-hmm. looked really, really, really good to the point where they were then just ported over to the next gen, and you probably didn't even notice much of a difference. Yeah. What are you searching yeah, for, for right now? I'm, I'm searching for more examples, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I struggled with GameCube. GameCube was pretty consistent throughout. Uh huh. For example, Luigi's Mansion looked pretty good. That was a launch, and then at the end of its life, it had Twilight Princess, which did look incredible. But in between that, you know, we had two Metroid Primes, Wind Waker, Super Mario Sunshine. They all looked incredible. And I think part of that is that generation was pretty short, only five years. So, yeah, not a ton of room mm-hmm. for growth. <laughs> but on the same token, the original Xbox, that was the same five years, but Halo 2 looks way better than Halo 1. Like, yeah, that's crazy. And that's just a three-year yeah. gap, 2001 to 2004. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some more right now. <laughs> We've gotten to the point now where the graphics are just getting too good. They really are. Like, and now it's not something we notice as much. No, it's it's not a thing that we really compare anymore. And we've taken it for granted, I think. I think that's it's a cool thing because now we're focused more on what makes gameplay good and yes. not just relying we, on how realistic it looks. We've gotten to our pinnacle of how good we can make things look. Like, you can only make things so good. Now, how can we improve the story? How can we improve the gameplay? Well, uh, speaking of graphics for Halo 4, let's take a look at the art style of this game, which I think kind of plays off what you were saying, that there's just something different about this. Yeah. It, it feels different for Halo. And I think the art style has a a big effect on that. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Lens flare being one. Lens flare being one. I almost feel like that plays into some of the art style that really makes this game unique. Because uh, let's go into maybe the first big difference. And that's probably the Forerunners and what their style is compared to like the Covenant and yeah. the uh, and everyone else. Like it's futuristic not in like an early 2000s kind of mechanical way but like almost in a clinical pristine almost like modern way if that makes yeah. sense yeah I, uh, I like i like clinical yeah it's, a, a it's good like description it, there, there's no clunkiness to it there's no like evidence of it being put together or like hardware um or like any flash if you will right well, different kind of flash here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about just like solid, clear surfaces, and everything just looks like thousands and thousands of years more advanced than everything else around it. Right. Almost like organic in a way. Hmm. Like mechanically organic. Mechanically organic. If Which that is makes actually sense. kind of in line with the enemies of this game. Yes, story-wise. it does not look put together, it looks grown. Hmm. That's the biggest thing with this art style, and that really makes the lens flare and kind of that uh, that sharpness to this game really work. Yeah, I think it's part of why I didn't like it initially is because it does feel so different, and I think part of it is just three four three trying mm-hmm. to to show. I don't know. I guess what were they trying to show that they were different? 
but that they could stand on their own. I, I don't know. But I hmm. kind of didn't like how it felt like a different sci-fi series. Like, I know hmm. sci-fi is sci-fi, but I, I don't know. The Covenant just felt more grounded, while this just kind of felt like a different game entirely. Okay. If that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like they changed too much about it. They didn't keep as much of the original aesthetic. Yeah. You're right. It did rely a lot on this uh, kind of new style, for sure. And I don't like how they just completely redesigned Master Chief. His armor okay. is completely different, and there's no canonical reason why. I know Cortana kind of mentions that she did firmware updates on him while he was out, but mm-hmm. she didn't change his armor. And especially because we get that little prologue thing where they're interrogating Halsey, and it's showing all these Spartans in action. All these Spartans mm-hmm. are wearing like this new armor, so it's just it's just kind of like they're gaslighting and being like, "This is what the armors always looked like. We're just uh, making it look a little different." And then it must have made people angry because they finally they went back to his standard Mjolnir armor in Halo Infinite, mm-hmm. which looks so much better. Yeah. <laughs> you know that could have been them just trying to you know, to really showcase their abilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, even at the end, right when you beat the game, th- there is a message from the developer saying, thanks for trusting us with this title. Like, yeah, you could tell a lot was resting on their shoulders because they had a reputation uphold because they weren't the name Bungie. So right. that could have been just really trying to showcase what they were capable of. I'd want to as well, if that kind of responsibility was put on my shoulders i'd want to like give them something to remember and like Mm -hmm. push further than expected yeah so maybe that new armor design was their attempt at that and people were just like nah nah take a step back (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're doing too much here well i'm just surprised that they didn't actually provide a reason in game to why his armor was different Hmm. instead of just pretending like that's what it always was maybe there's some hidden log somewhere about the Prometheans doing something, and I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so many hidden things. <laughs> okay, so speaking of design, let's let's talk about Cortana. Mm. So this game is Cortana's game. Yes. In all comparisons to other games, she's in them, but this one is about her. Yeah. And it is the strongest point of the game is the relationship between Chief and Cortana, and she has been redesigned as well. Mm-hmm. She kind of had a, a standard look through one, two, and three, and um, now they've they've completely redesigned her for the most part. Where she she looks, I don't know quite how to describe her, but she's definitely like her most vulnerable seeming. She she's not mm-hmm. as like headstrong as she's been throughout, and that's because of her going through rampancy, which is the big mm-hmm. story arc of this game. And although Rampancy is interesting, it's compelling, I think there's a plot hole here that I just, I don't like. It's like, (laughs) so, okay, so let me, let me back up and I'll talk about AI in the Halo universe. So there's, there's standard dumb AI. I say dumb in quotes because it's still not dumb, but it's not smart AI, which is what Cortana is. And basically a dumb AI, it's really just, you know, it's given a specific purpose. It runs routines and kind of oversees things. In Halo 3 ODST, 
there is an AI who oversees New Mombasa, the city you're kind of exploring, and that AI is kind of guiding you through the city. But it's not like it doesn't have human characteristics. Okay. A smart AI is actually made from a human brain, essentially. I'm a little fuzzy on the details, but most of them, if not all of them, are made from like a brain of the person who's like just died. So it's like mm-hmm. a dead brain, and they're like replicating the synapses and things in a brain. But the problem is, over time, a smart AI, with all their human characteristics, I believe they even have the memories of the brain they came from, mm-hmm. they start just making all these neural links, and it just mm-hmm. becomes exponential to the point where they can no longer contain it, and they have to start making these decisions of which links do they need to sever to sustain mm-hmm. themselves. And eventually, they can no longer differentiate between good and bad, I guess, synapses to sever. Hmm. And they start cutting away, like, important functions, and they just kind of deteriorate. And Halsey, who we talked about last week, she created Cortana with the hopes of bypassing rampancy by actually making her from a clone of her own brain. So, like, she's, like, the first made from a living brain. Yeah, I believe. And all smart AI are generally retired at seven years because that's about how long they have until they start to go rampant. And once they Mm. go rampant, they're kind of unpredictable and it's, it's depressing. It's, there's a lot of actually moral dilemma with it because they're essentially just digital humans. Mm -hmm. It sucks that they're, they only get seven years and then either go crazy or get killed essentially. Mm. So Halo four picks up like four years after Halo three. So Cortana is now eight and has entered rampancy. But here's my biggest beef with that. Sure, Cortana was going to go rampant at some point either way. That's just how mm-hmm. smart AI are. Yeah. But I just feel like the, the issue is that through their age and the things they're learning is what's growing this neural network, right? Mm-hmm. If they've just been drifting in space for four years... What on earth has she been doing that's been growing her network to the point of rampancy? Like, I, the way I see it, it's just like, why wasn't she just in standby, just like Chief, with just like her signal going out? What else did she need to be doing that is pushing her towards rampancy? And again, hmm. I'm saying, yeah, it would have happened eventually, but I feel like this was a poor way for that to happen because how was she not just in standby that whole time? I, I see what you mean. I, I see where you're coming from. And that's, uh, that's a very valid question. I, I guess this could be extremely open-ended in, in, in talks of like, in terms of like psychological processing and stuff. And, you know, she is a smart AI and not entirely human, but I guess you could maybe draw a comparison to what would happen if a human was in that state for so long and solitary and isolated from people. What happens you know, neurological functions tend to lower and like problems tend to set in. Like if you're by yourself without the accountability of someone else for such a long period of time, your thoughts spiral and you create synapses and connections that aren't there. Mm. And over time, your own truths become truths regardless of whether or not they are. Okay. Yeah. That is a solid point. And 
I'd say if if indeed she just sat awake for four years, then mm-hmm. I think, yeah, you're right. I'm just thinking, but why though? Why can't she just be in sleep mode? Well, and then we can talk about that here in a second. Maybe it's because of the emotional connection she has with Master Chief. Like she wanted to be there for them or for him. Yeah, just and, keeping guard. And that's kind of what we see. She's just like sitting in the fetal position, kind of waiting, right? For the most part. Yeah. I feel like 343 didn't really dive. Like everything you're saying is valid. I feel like 343, though, ignored the fact that she was like entangled with Gravemind for such a long time, Mm. which I think could have had much worse implications for her. But they just forget about that. That Mm. has no impact. This is, it's just a completely separate story. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I just, I feel like there's points throughout this game where, uh, yeah, things just weren't quite thought through all the way in the way they told the story. Yeah. Either way, whatever our argument is, is moot. This is what happened. So <laughs> let's, let's go from there, I guess. Yeah, I guess like everything that isn't covered or everything that is, uh, that is completely left up to your imagination. That was probably in some ways I mean, that could have been intentional because it gets us talking, you know, it gets Mm -hmm. a conversation going. And a lot of times artists will do that. They'll leave parts open uh, or open-ended just so that people can argue about it for years to come. Yeah. Where's the fun if everything's covered? Okay, so let's go ahead and let's talk about the story. I've got a few bullet points. If there's any point that you want to stop and talk, let's do that. But uh, yes, here we go. So Halo 4 opens up with a completely pointless intro of Halsey being interrogated about kidnapping Spartans and like, oh, you're looking for Chief? You want to replace him, don't you? It has nothing to do with anything. It is not connected to the story. (laughs) I think, and and part of what I do not like about 343 taking over is that they have really relied on all this lore outside of the games, on the comics, Mm -hmm. on the anime and the books. And it's just like, come on, you can't be asking gamers to be getting all this lore outside of your game. That's just not how it works. It's the same deal with, you know, Star Wars putting a bunch of extended universe crap <laughs> we, yeah. we talked about this uh, yep. with uh, the what's the last one called rise of skywalker rise of skywalker oh yeah the they, last because uh, they movie. they put out so much information about you know who the knights of ren are and how uh-huh. palpatine stayed alive and how he had this hidden planet all outside of the movie but <laughs> yep. anyway can't rely on the fans to check all that out yeah so anyway <laughs> 343 has kind of done that, and Mm. I don't like that one bit. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. So the game starts off, it's it's four or five years after Halo 3. You're adrift on the the Forward Unto Dawn or the Pillar of Autumn. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. No, Forward Unto Dawn. Pillar of Autumn's the end of Reach, pretty sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Either way, there's some sort of alert. Cortana thaws you out, says something's going on here. And you're being boarded by the Covenant. And it's like, what? But we ended the Covenant War. Why are these guys here? 
And it's just kind of brushed <laughs> over where it's like, well, this is a rogue faction that still follows the old ways and didn't want to give up the war. It's like, oh, okay, so this is why we get to keep fighting Covenant. <laughs> we find ourselves outside of Requiem, which is a giant forerunner shield world. And a shield world is something they created that can survive the blasts from a halo. When halos explode, wiping out all life, shield worlds are fine. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're arcs, basically. So, and then it turns out that the Infinity, who's being manned by some guy and, and Lasky, I don't remember <laughs> who the, the main guy is, but they finally picked up on your distress signals and they're here trying to find you. But you get sucked into Requiem. There's a giant gravity well. You want to try to warn Infinity, nope, stay away. You're going to get sucked into this planet. And in the attempt to take down the radio block to message the Infinity, you end up releasing the Didact. And the Didact is this imprisoned forerunner warlord. And this is where things start to get really interesting because all through one, two, and three, we just, we hear about the forerunners. They're just these mythical creatures that we don't really know much about. But Halo 4 really tells us a lot more about the forerunners especially because here's just one living right in front of us. <laughs> Did you follow much of this, the, the forerunner history here that's told in the game? It was hard to. Yeah, so I really didn't. <laughs> well, a lot of it is told through those terminals. And mm-hmm. there are these little like animated cutscenes that play. Mm-hmm. They're pretty interesting, but there's really only one major cutscene that tries to explain things that you have to come across. All the terminals are optional. And I think I only found like four as I was playing through. Let, let me go into that. So okay. it turns out that we, or the humans of the Halo world, are not really the first humans. Humans actually existed thousands of years ago alongside the Forerunners. What happened was we were these you know space-faring, technologically advanced species as well, we were fighting a war with the Flood. And in that battle of trying to eliminate the Flood, basically we came across the Forerunners and started a war with them too because we were trying to fight off the Flood into their territory. And it was just like a kind of a big mess of misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. And because we were kind of torn both ways, fighting the Forerunners and the Flood, the Forerunners won and defeated the humans But they were left weakened, and they're like, oh, the humans have actually been running from the flood the whole time, and we were just kind of in their way. So uh, the Forerunners do not do well against the flood, and that's how they enact all these protocols with the Halos. They're like, all right, well, we're going to wipe everything out, but not before the librarian, who is the wife of the Didact, Mm -hmm. uh, she's tasked with kind of like cataloging all life in the universe, so then after they detonate the rings, they can reseed the universe with all the species again, which mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. But then the didact being the, the jerk he is uses the composer, which is this weapon that basically vaporizes anyone it touches and turns them into these Prometheans that we've been fighting. Yeah. So he's like, Oh, these Prometheans can't be controlled by flood because they're not really alive anymore. They're these robot guys. So he turns basically the rest of his army and a bunch of human prisoners into the Prometheans. And then the rest of the foreigners like, uh, that's messed up, guy. 
So you're getting imprisoned, and that's where we find him. And now he's trying to find the composer again so he can kind of finish what he started. Mm. Throughout this journey, you find kind of like this memory hologram, I don't know really what it is, of the librarian. Mm -hmm. And she makes Chief immune to the composer. So he will not get vaporized. And then there's a pretty traumatic scene where he's trying to help some scientists who do get vaporized and go the way of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, basically. Yep. Yep. completely evaporated oh yeah and chief has to see that happen and and it's definitely pretty uh, impactful hurts cortana mm-hmm. well emotionally she she's just really struggling she's fighting off rampancy this whole game and you're just trying you're really trying to get her home as quick as you mm-hmm. can so hopefully halsey can stop this but that doesn't happen And uh, Chief and Cortana go off to stop the didact from leaving to where he can take the composer and, you know, start doing damage everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So you get a nuke into his ship, and before you can detonate it, Cortana has to basically sacrifice herself to stop didact from killing you. You detonate the nuke, and she's able to kind of portal you out using the last of her energy to say goodbye and is very emotional because there's also something going on where maybe she it's something with like the forerunner technology where she's kind of physical as well because mm-hmm. yeah. she like actually puts her hand on chief's chest and she's yeah. like hey you don't know how long i've been waiting to do that yeah that was almost like a almost like a dream state like mm-hmm. what kind of a state were they in there yeah i don't really know what that was well it definitely kind of puts a cap on this whole story leading up to that, that it's almost like a love story between Cortana and Master Chief in a way. Mm-hmm. Like you see a lot more of that emotional connection there. And that's what made the end you just mentioned so tough. Yeah, it, it is tough. I mean, you've gone through one and two with her in your head and then mm-hmm. three, she's not with you and you're just like getting these haunting visions of her Mm -hmm. you finally save her and then this is kind of a very intimate story between the two Mm -hmm. and just the pain of what she is going through of realizing she's going basically insane Mm -hmm. also fighting the depression of you know is she alive is she really human and that's one of the quotes she's like promise you'll find out which which one of us is the actual machine here because she doesn't Mm -hmm. feel that that is really hard and because of how emotional this was it actually makes me really dislike five and infinite but i'll save that for the very end just in case listeners don't want to hear spoilers about that okay very nice i'd echo everything that you said i haven't played five and infinite yet but moving on from here i expect it's going to be a little bit different to uh to see what, what happens because yeah that ending that hit me i i didn't even get that emotionally invested in one two and three right you're absolutely right it was like she's a person here and mm-hmm. 
you could really see that emotional connection between her and Master Chief, not just as an AI. Yeah. It's like almost like a part of him, part of his mind. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah, it, yeah it's, and it's hard to imagine them not being together, not being a part mm-hmm. of it. And so it's actually very surprising for 343's first game to kill her in the mm-hmm. first one. Because then it's like, oh, wow, well, where do you go from here? Turns out they uh, they go downhill real fast. Oh, <laughs> snap. That's not what I want to hear. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, I'll tell you at the end. So, um, okay. Yeah, we, you talked about uh, the guns and things in here. So, like, mm-hmm. what would you like about gameplay? Did you have a favorite mission? A favorite Those are mission. two separate questions. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's totally cool. First off, this game is a first-person shooter, right? So, like, the entire game, you're just seeing the guns. And yeah. I thought that 343 did a great job on, uh, I mean, giving you some variety with what you're seeing. Because that's part of the aesthetic right there, you know. It's keeping you going. Are these guns going to be cool and satisfying enough <laughs> yeah. to keep you going? And uh, I really like what they did with the Forerunner designs. So, basically, what I really liked is that they've got the uh, original UNSC guns and the Covenant guns, of course, but they've updated the sound effects a little bit, so they sound a little more realistic. I don't that know. Was... I just like the sounds. I think they you... sound, I don't know, springier. Springier? Yeah. Well, and I, I'm, we talked about this back in Halo 3, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Where the ones in, especially the battle rifle, just sounds uh-huh. <laughs> not as solid. Not as solid. Like like a little more edgy, like rough. I, I don't know how to describe well, it. Well, <laughs> I guess but... it all comes down to like, you know, personal preference, right? Right. Well, one thing's for sure, throughout all the games, all the guns always sound different, and they feel different, too. That is true. <laughs> yeah, I did not like the battle rifle, or, or the uh, the assault rifle, in any of the games but this one. This this was the only oh. game that I felt like the assault rifle felt like it had actual power to it. Or, like, it felt useful, because <laughs> it's, like, your default, usually. But I thought the Forerunner designs were really cool. You've got, like, uh, all, all the equivalents, like, the, the counterparts, if you will. So you got yeah. the uh, bolt shot which is the equivalent to the Magnum, uh, the light rifle, which is the equivalent to the battle rifle in like the, uh, I think the suppressor. Yeah. To and the that's the, rifle. to the assault rifle. So, but they feel different because they're like th- these guns, when you get them out of your inventory, they kind of like float together. Yeah. Like that is cool pieces. where they assemble. <laughs> yeah. Like Lego pieces in air assembling together into this cool futuristic type weapon. And they all have like this cool design to them. But I really liked the light rifle in this game mm-hmm. because it just felt satisfying. I don't know, the sound effects. It's like you're not shooting any actual ammo. You're just shooting bolts of light. Yeah. So that's what I really rifle. liked. Yeah, that is exactly <laughs> it. And then you got the uh, binary rifle. Now, this might might be my favorite weapon in the game. It's just too bad that you only saw it a few times. And every time you got it, it, was, it only had like two shots in it. Mm-hmm. But do you remember this one? It's, is it the, like the sniper? Yeah, it's the sniper equivalent, but the binary rifle feels even meatier. Yeah, it did. Because that could one-shot a Promethean, yeah. while a sniper, you'd have to two-shot him even in the head, generally. Yes, so that was probably my favorite in the game, just for its sheer power, but we only saw it a few times. Yeah. And then you got the scatter shot, which is the equivalent of the... Shotgun. Uh, yeah, shotgun, that one. But as usual... Whenever the Covenant was around, I would always go straight to the Needler. Oh, really? 
Needler has always been my favorite covenant weapon. I don't know why. It is fun. It is fun. It's weird, you know? It's just weird. <laughs> it is like, weird. Let's, let's shoot crystals. <laughs> yeah, Hang on, I forgot to put in the crystals. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't resist. I, I was kind of eh on the weapons. And again, I think that's just part of what I was saying, where the whole aesthetic of this game just felt so different that it, it was just kind of off-putting to me the first time mm-hmm. I played it. Yeah. And I did not like the moment-to-moment combat in this game that much. Yeah. I just, I hated the Prometheans. I didn't think they were fun to fight. The little crawlers uh-huh. weren't, I, they were just annoying. And then the actual knights, you first, before you could fight one, you had to make sure there wasn't like a reassembly drone in the air. Yeah. Those drones. And they'd oh. flee from you. So as uh-huh. soon as you hit once, you had to make sure you were going to connect on all your shots or yeah. just, you know, reshields and then comes back. And that, that was just annoying. I hated having to check the skies first. Yeah, I just, I didn't like the Prometheans. I thought they were pretty generic and uninteresting compared to Covenant. But you have frozen on my screen. So uh, put in some technical difficulty music. <laughs> We are back from technical difficulties. Hi. <laughs> so, Jake, okay. what about a uh, a favorite mission? Anything that stood out? I really like the first few missions where you're recovering yourself and you're trying to get back uh, with the uh, distress signal that you've been sending mm-hmm. out. That that was my favorite part of the game. I guess leading up to that point when you re when you re uh, unite with all of your former teammates, I thought that was cu- that was really cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, I do like the sense of just you know new discovery in that game of mm-hmm. what what's going on what am i dealing with yeah. oh my gosh there's actually people here i'm not lost in space anymore yeah like oh humans oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was the first thing that came to mind at least for me yeah actually fun fact about lasky is man it's been a while i think i watched it on netflix a long time ago they came mm-hmm. out with like a movie Called, oh, it was a little series, five-episode series called Ford Unto Dawn. It followed a bunch of troopers, and Master Chief was not, like, the main character. Actually, Lasky as a kid, or as, huh. like, an up-and-comer, was okay. the main character. The other main character was Anna Popplewell, mm-hmm. who plays Lucy. Is that right? Uh, she played Susan. Susan. Susan and Narnia. Yep. So I actually, I remember enjoying that. And then when uh, you come across Lasky in Halo 4, it's like, oh, that's cool. Uh, I like that <laughs> series. And that, now I see how it connects. Nice. So I think my favorite mission was Requiem, which is the one where you have the giant mammoth tank thing. And oh, you're defending it. Yeah, defending the tank. And it also ends with the huge exposition dump of meeting the librarian but yeah. not so fun fact about Requiem level, it ha- it's pretty broken, and I'm surprised you didn't encounter this because uh-huh. I looked it up online, and a bunch of people are still encountering this bug. Yeah, uh, despite all of the updates to Master Chief Collection, uh-huh. where there's the part where you have to go above that 
go aboard that Covenant ship and blow it up. Uh-huh. And apparently this bug happens and happened to me where you make a run for it after it's about to blow up and then you turn around and it's just frozen in the sky. It doesn't blow up. But then the mission progresses and the main one starts moving again, but the rest of the level stops loading. And so all of a sudden you're riding this thing and it just starts floating off into the abyss. Wow. And I took some video of it, of me <laughs> just riding this thing through the sky. And it turns out like it soft breaks your game where you cannot progress. You can't even hit like reload last checkpoint. You have wow. to basically restart the mission. But luckily you can just back out. And then if you go to restart, it does have checkpoints like mission start alpha rally point bravo or something and uh-huh. if you click the second one it does just put you a little ahead of where that glitch happened okay but other than that it's a good level how do we know that's not part of the canon here because it does kind of float out into space maybe that's just an <laughs> well, alternative did it happen in yours <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> no I, I i didn't do the you know the the duck three times hit this one thing in order for that secret to be unlocked <laughs> <laughs> No, I did have a bug in that level, though, and it involved uh, just the tank moving in general because you have to use that uh, handheld device to explode things. Mm -hmm. There was a point when I couldn't equip it anymore. Like, it was in my inventory, but I couldn't equip it. So I had to restart. So I'm just sitting there, like, shooting at this thing with my rifle thinking, oh, like, it's eventually going to die if I just keep shooting at it, right? Nope. (laughs) So I just sitting there jumping around and everyone's saying like, go here, do this. I'm, okay. No, I can't. I have to restart. So different bug. Yeah. On that interesting. Level. How's that not fixed? Hmm. Pretty crazy. We're getting kind of near the end of our time here. I didn't play the multiplayer of this game again. Just, it didn't, it didn't grip me. So I've got nothing to say about the multiplayer other than one thing that is a disappointment is that they had Spartan Ops in this game. Hmm. And Spartan Ops was kind of an evolution of Firefight. And, you know, Firefight is an evolution of everything that came before it, where, you know, Call of Duty had zombies. Uh, Mm -hmm. Gears of War has Horde mode. And it ended up being pretty popular in ODST where it's just a wave mode of kind of surviving as long as you can. Mm -hmm. And then that bled over into reach where reach had that as well. But then here they did Spartan ops, which released weekly these missions. And I hate it because I didn't want to play it. It's like, there's Mm -hmm. no point, but it had a lot of story content to it. Actually a lot of story. Okay. To the point where there was, it ended up being 50 levels, I'm pretty sure they put out. And each level takes like two hours to play. Woo. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and Yowza. apparently it just got so repetitive because it kept like reusing levels and mechanics. And that sucks. Yeah. So yeah, I never touched that. And then I go and find out today, it's like, oh, there's a bunch of story in this that fed over into Halo 5 that like Oof. no one played. That's not fair. It is not fair. Yeah, you can't expect everyone to play that, especially if it's going to be repetitive like that. Oh, well. So with that, I do want to get into some spoilers uh, for Halo 5. (laughs) So if listeners do not want to hear any spoilers about Halo 5, 
this is the end of the episode for you. So my name's Cameron. <laughs> and I'm Jake. Have an awesome ready week. All right. If you're still here, let's talk a little bit about Halo 5. Well, first off, Jake, are you okay with hearing some spoilers? I suppose so. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> why not? I get to know what I'm getting into. So this is part of why Halo 4 had such more of an impact on me because I know what happens after this and I had forgotten, you know, just how great this story was that it tells about Chief and Cortana. And from there, 343 proceeds to completely assassinate her character. And it just pissed everyone off. Like, it was not okay. And so basically, what happens in Halo 5 is we find out that when you blew up the Didact ship that she was a part of, before that, she had splintered off a bunch of her rampant clones, basically, into the Didact ship. And when it blew up and she dies at the end, really the, the main version of Cortana did die. But all of those fractures of her, turns out that when it blew up, it had this failsafe where it slip space teleported its core off to a forerunner like repair planet with all of her fractures in it. So through it being repaired, those basically reassimilated into a new Cortana. But hmm. this one had kind of lost part of who she was because the, the main version of her did die. In this version, really, she figures out with the Forerunner technology how to beat Ravency, so that's good. But with this new immortal outlook, she sees AI as the future and basically sees that AI need to really run the galaxy and creates this faction called the Created, where all AI answer to her, basically. She is Queen Cortana essentially, and wants to basically forcefully police the galaxy into peace and will kill anyone who gets in her way. Hmm. And so she gets pretty hostile and pretty much loses herself because of this. And Halo 5 is just you kind of trying to track her down and figure all that out. Okay. And then what really bothers me going forward from there is Halo Infinite, which despite anything I'm about to say, like I think you should still play it because uh -huh. it's it's still a fun game. We we come to find out, well, first off, Halo 6 or Infinite takes place after Halo Wars 2, which is something no one played. And so everyone starts off playing Infinite completely lost in what's going on. Hmm. And it turns out that you enacted some protocol that worked that kills Cortana, but it okay. happens off screen. And the whole time you're playing through the game, still seeing like these remnants of her, these visions, it just gives you the impression that like, no, sh she's still alive. There's going to be some sort of catharsis. Like there's no way she died off screen before the game even started. Nope. She did. And that realization of like, wow, what a great, story that foretold of this very loving relationship between the two of them and then it's just like nope she's evil now and then she died off screen hmm. it's just like what who okayed this as a good story like again i think that <laughs> a star wars comparison of where last jedi is like let's subvert expectations people like that and i think that's what they did here 
then they find themselves in Halo 6 kind of realizing, oh, shoot, we should not have done that, and we kind of have to just start over. Hmm. <laughs> You'll see what I mean if you play 6. They do. They pretty much literally start over. Hmm. And wow. it's like, well, you should not have done that to us in 5. Why was 5 so bad? You barely even play as Master Chief in 5. Huh. Because the, the main story really is that Chief has gone AWOL to go find Cortana when that was not sanctioned. So you're playing as Agent Locke and his team for about 60% of the game who's just wow. trying to chase down Chief. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of wow. a joke. Interesting. Yeah, I for never sure. even finished that campaign for five. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Noted. Well, I'll have some stuff to look forward to. Skip five, for sure. But I think, especially now on with your computer, you do need to get Game Pass and play Halo Infinite because you will enjoy it. But I do want to talk to you about, you know, really what you think about that. Because I don't mm. think I've spoiled that much of Halo 6 because it does tell you right at the beginning that she's dead. It just kind of also gives you reason to think that that's not true. But it is. <laughs> gotcha. Which Noted. Maybe. So, so are you saying I should just skip five? Everyone should skip five. Really? Okay. Yeah. I won't play five. Unless you want to watch a YouTube recap, which I've, I've done that. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, that, that's all I had to say. All right. Well, I was happy to listen to that. I've learned a few <laughs> things. Well, if everyone, if you're still listening here, because who cares about Halo 5 spoilers? Thank you so much for listening. I was so surprised by how much I enjoyed playing Halo 4 again. Because, again, I hadn't played it since it came out, and I thought I didn't like it. But then it was like getting all this new story for the first time, and maybe it was just me seeing it fresh but also from the lens of having played halo 6 that kind of changed the way i viewed it and and cortana that made it so much better Mm -hmm. i don't know but it was a lot of fun and i'm glad jake that you got to experience that too oh yes it was wonderful it's nice getting into the halo universe for the first time even though it's quite late but that is a very common theme with me (laughs) it really is (laughs) yep It's been fun, and I look forward to playing six. Excellent. Well, with that, let's grab a slip space rupture and get out of here. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. And go finish this fight again. Yeah, Mina san, sayonara. (laughs) 